This podcast is supported by Audible. To find out how you can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying Audible, including a copy of The Myths of Creativity, check out audibletrial.com lead. This is Denise Berceau, and you're listening to Leader Lab. So who are you and what do you do? My name is Denise Berceau, and what I specialize in is helping leaders become thought leaders. What do I mean by that? I I work with executives and entrepreneurs. I work with social entrepreneurs and professional service folks, and I'm really all about how do you amplify your impact in the world? How do you multiply your influence? How do you get a seat at the table? Uh, And really, how do you leave a legacy? So for a lot of my older clients and uh, folks that I work with that have been in their world for a long time, it's what are they going to leave behind? Hmm. And and the book in that aim is is the latest culmination of that goal, Ready to Be a Thought Leader, How to Increase Your Influence, Impact, and Success. There's a company behind all of this, though, and I think this is really quite fun. We have Denise Brousseau, founder of the Thought Leadership Lab here on Leader Lab. (laughs) So I, I I absolutely love love that that sort of exists that that play on these words exists, um, but I want to talk mostly about the book. Uh, it would be really boring if we had a podcast talking about a podcast. So let's talk about the book instead, and let's talk about Thought Leadership Lab. Uh, first, I kind of want to ask where this sort of uh, impetus came from. You have a very unique niche in the world in that you help leaders, people who are already leading organizations, leading movements, really be seen by the external world as as thought leaders, as credible sources. How did that all come about? How did you get into all this mess? Oh, well, actually, it began about 12 years ago when I became an accidental thought leader. And I like to share that because I really had no plan and no idea that I was building a platform. But I was one of maybe three or four folks in my niche, which was high growth, women's entrepreneurship, focused in the technology arena, really people who are building big businesses. And I was working in Silicon Valley. I had a a nonprofit that I started to grow to multiple cities. And then we started the first venture conference for women entrepreneurs called Springboard. And the world was just awash in entrepreneurial money. It was the dot-com craze here in Silicon Valley. And so the world was very interested in what was happening with women entrepreneurs. I was part of a trend in uh, venture capital, in high-growth startups, etc. I kept getting all these phone calls. I kept getting invited to be at the table for a lot of really interesting conversations about that. And the world was truly fun and great and amazing until it all stopped. You know, the dot-com crash changed everything. So I went from sort of being on the cover of magazines to not getting a single phone call in a month, you know, so that that reality was very apparent to me. And, you know, five years later, I got a call one day from a friend who said, you know how you became a thought leader in the world of women's entrepreneurship? I want to do that. And I think it was the first time anybody would really ever said that to me, you know, first of all, that identified me as a thought leader, but secondly said, I want to do that. And so for three years, we worked together and I actually helped her take the journey from completely unknown to testifying in front of the U.S. Senate, recognized by the White House, headhunted by the governor and appointed to a big position in, in California. And at that during that journey, I realized there was a step-by-step process you could take. So you don't have to be an accidental thought leader. And that was the opportunity that I wanted when I had the chance to write a book. That's what I wanted to write about. You know, what are the steps you can take? How do you do this? How do you do this in a way that, that really builds a platform and a way to make a change in the world? 
Mm, and and I love the the ideas in the book. I love well. First of all, there's an acronym in the book that makes the whole path really easy. We'll get to that. But uh, in the meantime, I love the approach to it, which is very much here's here's why people follow. You may have some experience on that from the standpoint of leading an actual organization. But interestingly enough, it also works when you're trying to get ideas uh, to spread. And that's kind of what we're we're all about. You know, I I personally have always said that kind of my mission is to facilitate the transfer of good ideas. And so you know, I love this the whole concept of this book is facilitating the transfer of facilitating the transfer of good ideas. There's a very cool meta thing going on here. Um, and I I guess the easiest place to begin is, is at the beginning. I have a couple different chapters that really stood out to me. And one of the first being this idea of that driving passion, that why, the thing that you want to really get behind. I think too often people put the cart before the horse and say, I want to be a thought leader. I want to be famous. Uh, what do you think about? Uh, I don't really have anything I'm all that passionate about. Why, why is that driving passion so important? You know, it's so funny you say it that way because I, I have had that happen to me. People find out what I do and they say, oh, should I start tweeting? I'm like, well, do you have anything to tweet about? <laughs> Is anybody going to listen to your tweets? So I, I like to start with that idea of the deriving passion because for me, this takes a while. Thought leadership does not happen overnight. If you're not passionate about your niche, if you're not really committed to making some big change happen, you're not going to stick with it long enough to actually build that platform and have a real impact in the world. So I talk about this sort of overlap, I call it pen your then, you know, finding this Venn diagram intersection between your experience, your credentials, and what you're passionate about. And that niche, that thought leadership intersection is where you can have the biggest, dif make the biggest difference, have the biggest impact. And then, of course, aligning to trends, aligning to the big future that you're trying to uh, bring about, that you're committed to, that's when it all comes together. And if I can start people there, it allows them to, to get the momentum and the excitement and the commitment to make the, the real difference. And the the other thing I think that comes out, this is this is my segue, watch this. The other thing that I can think that comes of that is if you identify your passion, it becomes easier to figure out who are the people who are a fit for my message that will help me spread it and who are the people aren't. In, in your book, this is that was first chapter, this is second chapter, you talk about this idea of ripples of influence, which I thought was really fascinating from a, a social sciences and a psychology standpoint of how ideas spread throughout an organization. It's, it's the same thing you can use, this ripples of influence thing to become a thought leader. Yeah, and, and, and really thinking about how do ideas spread? How does a meme become a meme? How do things go viral? I mean, that's the sort of big meta picture, but I'm trying to help people to understand if you are trying to create a different future, what I call the what-if future, there's so many paths to get there. I mean, for me, I was trying to create a future in women's entrepreneurship that said less than 1% of venture capital funding was going to women. I wanted 50%. You know, that was a pretty big trajectory that I was looking for. There's many, many, many paths that I and my team could take to help the world get there. So you want to be out building your ripples of influences to say, here's where I want to be, this big future, and then listen to lots of ideas. Here's what this person's doing. Here's this thing that didn't work. Here's some ways you could build on others. So it's testing your ideas, getting feedback, and listening to the terrible naysayers who are always out there, and actually getting that value from that what isn't going to work as well as as refining your thinking along the way. Hmm. And I think there's a lot to that, especially what I've seen is 
people, especially the initial uh, early adopters, the initial followers, but I think people in general, whether they follow a movement or an idea or a person, they usually don't follow the person for what they are 100%. They follow them for what the vision that they want to also see. So those people from a women entrepreneurship standpoint, it's not that they want to see you leading that charge. It's that they also want that 50% goal. Their path might be a little bit different, but because that end goal is the same, you know, the, the leaders that really rise up and become uh, come senior leaders, become leaders of whole movements are the ones that are able to see what other people have as this envisioned future, crystallize it, align themselves with it, align everyone in together and say, here's where we're headed. And, and that's how we get. And here's how we get here. Here's one of my way to get here. But let's let's all focus in on how to do that. Yeah, what I find with my clients is the more I can get them to align with that ecosystem, first of all, to understand they're part of an ecosystem, no matter if they're in healthcare innovation or they're in education or wherever they're playing, there are many, many people often working in the same arena. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in a really technical place or wherever, there's others that you should align to. And the more you can raise your head and get aligned to those initiatives, that is when you're going to be powerful because you're all doing a little part of a bigger puzzle and together you have the chance to to really move things forward. You know, I think about huge changes that happened in this country, even, you know, the recent change of don't ask, don't tell. You know, one of the people I showcase in the book is someone who spent 17 years working on that issue uh, as the only woman in the military, only gay person in the military allowed to stay in the military. And for 17 years, she worked on getting rid of the don't ask, don't tell policy. Well, she was obviously not alone. There was many other people across the world who were working on, on similar challenges. And now here we are, you know, many years later seeing the, the ripple effects of her efforts and many others yeah and you know the interesting thing i i think too often when we retell the story though we forget how many people are involved we love to talk about the one lone person that that changed the world we forget to talk about all of those rip what you call ripples of influence and that the downside is for aspiring leaders for aspiring thought leaders you almost forget how important exactly what you're talking about is because the stories we retell cut those people out and yet those people are so vital to getting things done yeah and and i think that the more that it is very lonely to do this by yourself. So the more I can remind people that if you align with the ecosystem, you're going to have some partners in crime here and partners in your efforts. And the less lonely it will be, the more likely they are to sort of get out of their own little cubicle and get out and talk to other people. Because the fact is that there's going to be bad days just as an entrepreneur, no matter what you're doing, there's a lot of bad days. And so you want to have other people who are on the journey with you. Hmm, no, great, great advice. Now, there is one chapter I especially loved in the book because, and it's the one that I keep going back to mostly because you made it easy for me by you making an acronym, but it's this idea of putting yourself on shout, shout as this sort of all of the tasks that you kind of have to do, the things that you need to really do. Really, to me, that's what emphasized, though, what you said earlier about it doesn't happen overnight. It happens by consistently doing all of the actions that are in shout. Tell us, okay, so break down the shout acronym because I think everybody listening is going, okay, enough of it. Tell me what it means. And then also, let's talk about how do you do that? How does one put themselves on shout? Well, it starts with, so S, you know, S is select. So it's selecting the audience. Who are the people who are listening? At what is it that you are what is it you want to get across to them and who are the who are the right folks and the next is h which is really honing uh honing the message so that it's something people will listen to so that's often about getting into in front of small um, groups of people and and testing the idea. So I, I share this experience about comedians. You know, you don't go on the big stage the first day and, and try to get in front of thousands. You really want to hone a message that is resonating with, with a small audience. 
So O is all, all about overcoming resistance. And this is the idea that you probably have a lot of things that are standing in your way. Uh, and these are the reasons that I don't have enough time, I don't have enough skill, all of those pieces that are often the internal uh things that hold us back, as well as the other people's objections. Like, what is it that's going to stand in the way of, of people hearing your message? And so this is the piece really about committing yourself to understanding other people's point of view and encompassing that point of view in your own message so that you're not beating people over the head with your ideas, but instead building on their ideas with your ideas. Then you is about understanding potential pitfalls. Uh, understanding potential pitfalls is really this idea that there is a hundred different things that could get in your way as a thought leader. There is making a mistake, Goodness gracious, we do make those mistakes. This there is being boring. Uh, you know, I call it the Al Gore challenge, where you just so repeating yourself, repeating yourself, repeating yourself that people have tuned you out. So there's a lot of different pieces. It's idea understanding about sticking to your pond, not trying to be an expert in 50 different things. So there's lots of different pieces in that uh, in the you category around this understanding of pitfalls. And then the last one is is where I spend a lot of time at the end of the book, which is about transforming individuals into a community. And this idea is that you know we if we're going to create a movement, it can't be one person, two people, three people. It is about actually creating a common message and a common resonance together by amplifying each other's voices. That's when we can really be effective. So if you look at the real tra transformation that's happened in the world, it's when people understand about that they're not just building followers for themselves, but they're building a community that supports each other. You know, I, the, the greatest leadership lesson I think I've ever learned is it's not about being a leader. It's about sort of how do you bring about the world that people, other people want to see. It's about, I, I shudder to call it ser serving people because then we get into this huge debate about what is servant leadership. And and as a newer uh, empirical theory, I don't want to dive into that. But it truly is, it's about what can you do for the community of people who are all working to that goal. And as you begin to put that value in, it comes back out. It, it's the weirdest thing about life. The more value you give to the world, the more value they give you back. But as you said earlier, that's a really long process. It doesn't happen overnight. And so one of the things I was really curious reading the book to ask you when we finally got to talk was when you're working with your clients and you sort of begin this process of, of how do they go from leaders to, to thought leaders, what do you tell them to keep them motivated throughout this process? I mean, this is a lot of 17 years in one of the examples you gave. This is a long fight. How do you stay motivated? Well, each one is a little different, to be honest. But let's say that one of the tricks that I use myself to stay motivated is as I created a little index card and I put the word, why do I want to finish this book? You know, why does this book belong in the world? And why do I want to do all this hard work? Because, you know, like you, we're, we're running businesses, we've got families, we've got other things to, to do. And so I put that little index card, the top 10 reasons, and I put it next to my bed and I read it in the morning and I read it at night and I encourage my my clients to really do that. Put the top 10 reasons why you're doing this thought leadership journey. Uh, you know, when you think about the different people, each one has a different motivation. You know, one of them, she's a real leader in the world of education, and she understands that in her role, if she doesn't have a seat at the table, the people that she represents are not getting a seat at the table. So she's sort of the one for this community. I think similarly with Zoe Dunning, that person I mentioned in the military, you know, she was the only one that was allowed to speak as the only openly gay person in the military. So she had a community she was standing for. And I think if you can 
you can connect to that broader community that you are the one for, you're going to be far more likely to stay with it. But I think others actually are doing it because they really want the next job. They want the next, uh, they want to be connecting to people that matter to them. You know, they want to build a new community or connections to a new community. There's a lot of reasons. Some people want more money. So I'm not judging whatever the reasons are. I really just want you to stay really true to that. No, and it, it all circles right back to that driving passion idea that we talked about uh, earlier. So if you're, if you're looking to figure that out, how first figure out your why, but then if you're looking to spread that, figure out uh, this out through, are you ready to be a thought leader? It's a, it's a solid book on how you go from being a leader, manager, or even just somebody with a brilliant idea into a true thought leader. If it's okay, though, I want to switch from the thought leader's thoughts to the thought leader herself. Denise, I want to ask you a couple questions. First, first being, what are you reading right now? I think the most fun thing about reading, about writing a book is that people keep sending you their books. So I have two. Yeah, isn't it are, totally it, awesome? It is. It's, it's like, oh, I didn't even know you were writing a book. So one of them is this woman uh, who's been hugely helpful for me and gotten me a lot of folks to review my book and to put Amazon reviews up. And her name is Judy Robinette. And uh, she's got a new book coming out. It's called How to Be a Power Connector. And I got to tell you, this woman is a power connector. So I'm ready to read her book because she's done so much for me. I want to see how she does it, sort of what her insider secrets are. So that's coming out in a few months. And then another friend, Sarah Granger, uh, I got her manuscript this week and it's called Digital Mystique. And it's sort of the insider secrets for predominantly for women, but for folks who want to be very digitally active as a leader. Uh, How do you get in front of folks? So I'm eager to read that. And then the one I had been wanting to read for a while is my friend, uh, Sarah Miller Caldicott. She wrote, she's the great grandniece of Thomas Edison. And her second book just came out. It's called Midnight Lunch. And it's all about team collaboration and how Edison taught people collaboration and innovation. This is right up your alley. How do people do innovation uh, using some of his techniques? I I really wish that that book would have been out when I was writing mine. It would have made my chapter on Thomas Edison as a lone inventor being a myth and and all of his rules for collaboration. It would have made writing that a whole lot easier. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, I know. Say say maybe when there's an updated edition, I'll have to get her on on record for it. And the the other question I have for you, I mean, by by no means is this book launched. It's been out for about two months. Thought Leadership Lab has been around for for a while. But I'm also curious to get into where your mind is going in the future and, and ask what's next for you. Well, I don't think six months ago I would have ever, ever, ever said I would write another book. <laughs> I'm sure you've been there. Right? You're in the middle of it. You think, I can't possibly imagine ever doing this again. But I, I finally understand why people write books is so they can launch books. The launching has been so fun. You know, getting to have real conversations with people about things that are not the weather. You know, just talking about important topics. So I've decided there's probably another book. And uh, and where it's come to, in the, there's sort of two pieces that are intertwined. The first is that this book is for individuals. Now, there's a lot of ideas for how groups can work together, but this is really for an individual to become a thought leader. My next book is going to be How Do Groups Do It? So I had an opportunity last year to work with a group of nurse leaders, and we were really we spent an afternoon developing their messaging. And here's nurse leaders from across California working together to develop a message they can amplify together. And that was so powerful for them and for me to realize that that is all the better is if you can get a group of people on the same topic to build thought leadership together. So that's the next book. It's a sort of thought leadership for groups. And then I have this crazy idea that we should develop a award 
for the best companies to be or become a thought leader. So I'm incubating this idea. I'm just going to host a little dinner in a few weeks to talk to people about how would I put an award like this together. And I just think we should be celebrating companies that are helping you become thought leaders, but also teaching those who don't know how to do it, how to do it. And that would be by creating this sort of criteria for an award. Hmm. No, I think that's a that's a solid solid endeavor, and I I actually really resonated with one of the things you said earlier, which was the idea around launching uh, the the book. I have I don't know if this is the case for you, uh, or for anybody else who's written a book that's listening, but I always tell people now when they come to me and say I think I want to write a book, I always tell them no, you don't. You want to have written a book. You want to launch a book. You want to talk about something you're incredibly passionate about. You don't want to actually write it. You no, just want to get the idea to spread. And and I think that's my my awesome segue of why I really, really liked your book is it's about how do you get that idea to spread? Writing is the hard part. Getting it to spread is the fun part. It totally is. And I've just enjoyed it. All my my various groups have been hosting me and radio and podcasts and things like this. This is when you get to have the dialogue about a topic that you can't stop thinking about and talking about anyway. So now to engage with others, it's right up my alley. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And for that reason, I want everybody who's listening to check out Ready to Be a Thought Leader. Whether you are a leader in an organization that wants you to take on a more proactive role and become a thought leader, or whether or not whether you're like me and Denise and you just love to geek out on great ideas and you want to be able to turn that uh, into your own ideas and spread them, there's a lot of great insights uh, in the book. Ready to Be a Thought Leader, How to Increase Your Influence, Impact, and Success. Denise, thank you so much for joining us inside the Leader Lab. Thank you. I had a great time. Hey everybody, it's David from the Leader Lab Podcast. I just want to thank you for being a part of this community and for listening to this podcast episode. And I want to remind you that you can get even more content from us if you connect with us online. We're at Twitter, twitter.com slash LDRLB, Facebook, facebook.com slash LDRLB. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast in either iTunes or Stitcher, or just subscribe to our email newsletter and we'll email you every single time we post a new episode. Thanks so much for being a part of the community. Look forward to giving you even more great content.